<coughs> welcome, so welcome to everyone who's coming a bit late. Um, Merry Christmas. I hope your day's had a, a good start. Has it been good? What time did everyone wake up this morning? Six o'clock? Not early, says the, the seven-year-old. <laughs> I can tell you it was early. <laughs> it was... Um... <sighs> Dad knows better than to try and argue. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? But sometimes, as parents, you know what's important and you know what's not important. And as a parent, you quickly learn that you need to pick your battles. There's a thousand fights you could have an hour if you wanted as a parent. Every single hour, seven days a week, you could be fighting with your, your kids if you wish to. But you learn very quickly, pick your battles. Work out which ones are important, which ones are not important, which ones you will win, and which ones just whatever happens, happens. And it's the same with God. We're no different. <laughs> not saying we're God. We're the kids. God's the parent. And with us, God picks his battles. There are some battles we try to fight with God, and God goes, you will not win that one. But there are plenty others where we try and tell God what to do, and God goes, whatever. Whatever. You'll figure it out the hard way. <laughs> I've tried to tell you, you want to go the other way, you want to think you know best, then you go the way you want to go. And I'll get a bag of popcorn and I'm just going to watch and see what happens because I already know. <laughs> but I'm going to watch you find out what happens. And that's what we're looking at with today. We've, we've been doing a series um, this December looking at Jesus, the impact Jesus' coming has had on various people in the story, in the Christmas story. In week one, we looked at Mary, and we looked at the impact Jesus' coming had on Mary, um, the 14 to 15-year-old teenager who gave birth out of wedlock to Jesus, and the social and um, all other ramifications that had on Mary and what we can learn from Mary. And then the second week we looked at the Magi and we looked at who the Magi were and what they did in their journey to get to worship Christ. Their focus was to worship Christ and nothing was going to stop them. They were going to worship this new king. And so they journeyed and we, we looked at them and see what we can learn from them about are we single-minded in our focus on how to worship Christ? how to worship Jesus. Are we that committed ourselves as what the Magi were? And then last week we looked at Herod and we saw that 
Herod was an interesting fellow who was an absolute genius when it came to building things and his architecture and all these great things was responsible for um, having built, but at the same time he was a bit of a loose cannon. And we heard how Augustus, um, Emperor Augustus said that it was safer to be a pig in Herod's farm than to be one of Herod's family. So that was Emperor Augustus's take on King Herod. And Herod challenged us to ask ourselves, what are our priorities? What are our priorities in our life? Because we all have priorities and it doesn't matter what you say your priorities are, your priorities actually get revealed in the decisions you make. You can say all you want, but at the end of the day, your decisions reveal your priorities. And so we were challenged to ask ourselves, what are our priorities? Well, today, we're going to continue this series and ask the question, how did Jesus coming impact Jesus? How did Jesus coming impact God the Son? And so... Before we start doing that, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are the great God, that this is your word, that you have provided an opportunity to learn about you. Um, you want us to know you and you've revealed yourself to us um, in part and one day we will join you face to face and we will know you in full. But as we study your word today, on Christmas Day, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, I pray that you'll reveal yourself to us and help us to understand you just that little bit more. In your son we ask. Amen. So if we're going to ask the question, how did Jesus coming impact Jesus? What's the first and most logical question to ask? Actually, that wasn't a trick question. Who was Jesus? <laughs> If we're actually going to look at how Jesus coming impacted Jesus, then we need to work out who Jesus actually is and get a bit of a better understanding on Jesus. So here's a couple of things about Jesus. Jesus is actually the human form. And this is where you can spend, and I'm going to give this disclaimer now, that we could spend an entire sermon series three months, six months, talking about God and the Trinity and the things that we're going to spend about 10 minutes on. <laughs> we could spend six months on. And even then, you, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't do it justice. So bear with me on this. But Jesus is the human form of God the Son. Okay? So... You go, well, hold a sec. <laughs> I know, it, it, it gets really mind-blowing really quickly. So if your mind just goes, boom, at this point, it's okay. It really is okay. But in heaven, there is God. And if you notice in the John reading, John doesn't bother to debate if there is a God. He just assumes there's a God. A bit like Moses when he wrote Genesis. Moses wrote Genesis, 
didn't spend any time discussing is there a God, how do we know there's a God. He just assumes there's a God. And so they both, in both Genesis and John, they spend their time talking about who is this God, not whether there is a God. And so in heaven there is a God. And there is a single God who is broken up into three people, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now each of the three are equal. Each of the three are fully God within themselves. Confusing yet? This God, three people, have a perfect relationship with each other. So the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, they have this perfect relationship. That what, what that should tell you is they don't need us. They don't need to create anything in order to have a relationship because they already have the perfect relationship with each other. They already have that perfectness. So why do they bother creating? For the same reason, parents have kids. No, not because they're silly. We'll take that one out. But because they want to love. They want to love. They want to share themselves with something that they have created. And so therefore, kids have parents, God created creation. Now, this little fact always blows my mind. God is outside of time. He exists in a way that we cannot understand. It's not a time machine thing. It's not a back to the future where he jumps in his time machine and drives to the year 3000 BC and then jumps back in his time machine and drives to the year 5000 AD. He is at 3000 BC at the exact same moment he is here now as he is in 5000 AD. That's what it means to be outside of time. We only know existence from within time. He is outside of time. And you know what that means? When he, God, of which God the Son, which Jesus is the human form of, created everything, including earth, including us, he already knew we were going to stuff it up. He did not create us thinking, this is going to be so awesome for the rest of eternity, we're just going to like party and perfect and everything's going to work out wonderful. And Oh, they mucked it up. Okay, and B. <laughs> he knew that we were going to muck it up before he even created us, yet he still created us. That's God the Son. Now, God the Son comes into time and we know him as Jesus. That's who Jesus is. All that sounded pretty heavy, didn't it? Be honest. It's, it's a heavy slog. Thanks, mate. It's a heavy, it is a heavy slog and that's okay. But that's who Jesus is. When we talk about Jesus, we talk about... God the Son who was there in creation creation happened through him and yet 
he created everything knowing he was going to have to come into time to be born in order to live, experience what we experience and die and rise again. And yet he still came. Now, I had thought of trying to compare Jesus leaving heaven and coming to earth as um, somewhat akin to maybe us being transported to a poor nation on earth, the poorest nation on earth sort of thing. But it doesn't really do it justice. Um, But as a random trivia fact, did you know in my investigation of that, before we move on, I'm not, and I'm not going to do that sort of comparison because it's, it's not really helpful you know, on a number of levels. Did you know, as we took up the offering today, we're going to give that offering to the um, to out west where they were flooding a couple months ago, that the, the top, you know, like the poorest nations on earth, if you start ranking the poorest nations on earth, um, and number one's the poorest nation on earth, and number two, second poorest, blah, 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 sort of thing. Um, a little African nation named Burundi is apparently the poorest nation on earth. I've never heard of that country, but apparently they're the poorest nation on earth, Burundi. The top, the first country on this list that is not in Africa. is Afghanistan. Now, Afghanistan on this list comes in at number 15. Doesn't that blow your mind about Africa? The 14 most poorest nations on earth are all in Africa. That's a complete sidetrack and it's got nothing to do with Jesus coming on earth except for the fact that Jesus came to give us life. And that should hurt. That little sidetrack should hurt. So who was Jesus? So we've started to get a bit of a grip on Jesus. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the human form of God, the Son, who was there for all of creation. He's been there from the very beginning and beyond beginning because we don't really understand that side of things. To us, because we are within time, there is a beginning, there's an end. There's, we are finite creatures and God is infinite and so keeps going. But Jesus was there in God the form, God the Son, and then he breaks in to time. So how does he... The other interesting thing about Jesus is in the second reading... The Luke reading, as I said, so far we've looked at Mary, we've looked at the Magi, we've looked at Herod, and today's reading was looking at the shepherds. But I don't want to look at the shepherds. Bit of a trick reading. I want to look at the angels. Anyone notice anything interesting about that? What was that? They're all, they're all praising God. Yeah, oh, and, and they certainly are. Um, 
and they told the shepherds, don't be afraid, and every time an angel appears to you and they go, don't be afraid, should give you a hint about what angels look like. <laughs> They're scary. <laughs> and they, you know, what, explain kind of what's going on a bit. And then this massive army of angels come down and start singing and praising God. And Anyone notice anything strange about that? So that's okay, because, which is probably a good thing for, for, for you guys, because we know my head's warped. So if you could think like me, then then for you. Um, but what really strikes me about that picture is the angels' response. The fact that the angels come down to earth and they're singing and they're praising and they're it's as though God's already won. Jesus has just been born a matter of hours ago. It's the, it's the equivalent of, and while we're talking about the Boxing Day coming up tomorrow, kicking off about 10.30, Australia, South Africa and Melbourne, can you imagine, and I'm going to assume everyone kind of knows enough about cricket to be able to get this analogy, but can you imagine, they go out for the toss tomorrow, the two captains, South Africa win the toss and decide to bat. Okay? And so it comes time to start the match and the South African batsmen walk out and the Australian cricket team walk out to field. And as they're walking out to field tomorrow, beginning of day one, session one, the Australians start high-fiving each other and cracking open the beers, going, we've won, we've won. It'd look a bit strange, wouldn't it? You'd be going, that's odd. You haven't bowled a ball yet, yet you're already carrying on as though you won. But that's what's happening here. Heaven's already celebrating we've won. Jesus has just been born. He hasn't performed a single miracle. He hasn't been to Egypt or come back from Egypt because Herod loses the plot again. He hasn't turned the wine, he hasn't walked on any water, he hasn't fed 5,000 people, he hasn't taught a single sermon, he hasn't annoyed a single Pharisee yet, yet heaven's carrying on as though already won. Why do you think that is? To me that's odd from a human perspective. Does it strike anyone else as odd or am I just a weird one? Actually, don't answer that. <laughs> but celebrating unless it knows it's already won. So why was that? This isn't just a God spirit. Quality of God, doesn't it? Shows you something about God that he knows and everything was under control. The greatest pictures of this, and I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the, uh, the 
a movie of The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. But if you haven't, there's a scene towards the end where the kids, um, the fighting's all been going out. And in order to rescue Aslan hands himself the witch in order to pay the price for the kid. And the witch is going, you little ripper, Andrew's version of Lion, Witch in the Wardrobe, the witch goes, absolute bargain, I'll take that deal because without Aslan I can easily defeat the kids again by myself, that's not a problem. So she takes Aslan, hands the kid back, kills Aslan and the kids are dead. And the fighting starts and then all of a sudden, what happens? Aslan reappears and the kids are going, how does that work? And Aslan goes, because I am the creator, there is magic that the witch cannot understand. And it's the same with God and us. God, Jesus, in his God-son form, created everything. Time, as Jesus, as we know in human form, he is fully human, but he's fully God. There is stuff that we cannot understand. There is a dynamic that as the created beings, we can't understand it, but Jesus did. Right. And we can take comfort in that. Early on that um, some people more important. And I said, well, it's kind of like important breathing in or breathing out. Recognising that God actually took the time for his creation. Yeah. I'll just speak like this. I'm almost done. Um, but Christmas is a, is a time to remember God cares enough about his creation that not only did he actually create it, but he came back to restore it. He came back to restore it to what he originally created it to be. And when we speak about eternal life, and many people, when they hear, I'll go to heaven, I'll be with God, and I'll have eternal life, eternal life starts when I die. And that's not actually the case. <laughs> you have eternal life now. Your eternal life has already started if you've accepted Jesus. It's already kicked in. And our, our job as believers is because Jesus came, because Jesus cares about his creation, our job is to live out his kingdom here on earth now and give the community a taste of 
God's perfect kingdom here on earth. So where does that leave us? What does that do for us? <coughs> what do we do with Jesus? The whole point of the series has been what, how does Jesus impact various people? Well, here comes the question, how does Jesus impact you? Next week, 1st of January, we kick off a series asking the question, who is Jesus? And we're going to dive, spend 10 weeks looking in through Mark and working out who Jesus is and looking at various aspects of Jesus' life and ministry and all that sort of stuff. It's going to be really fun. But today, on Christmas Day, the question is, what is your response to Jesus? And that's your response, Marion, and that's awesome. And that's my, my response. But here's the trick. My response and Marion's response, although similar, are two different responses because Marion's is Marion's, mine is mine, and yours is yours. I can't respond for you, Marion can't respond for me. That's not how it works. You need to choose what you do with Jesus. You need to make that decision for yourself and only you can make it. See, some people get thrown by the virgin birth and they go, that's impossible. But they're quite happy to say that, yes, the universe started from nothing. Both require a heck of a lot of faith. What are you going to put your faith in? See, Jesus, there's three basic responses to Jesus. Either, I don't believe Jesus even existed. Okay, that's your choice. That's, that's a response. And there will be consequences with that. You can choose to believe, you can choose to, your response to be, I think Jesus is a fruitcake. Okay, that's your response. And there's consequences that go with that. Or your response can be, I think Jesus is God the Son in human form and I'm going to give my life to him and serve him. And what? <laughs> We're the fruitcake? Is that what you said? And Jesus is the one that shapes the fruitcake. But... It's a case of whatever you choose, there are consequences. It's no different to the rest of life. But what is your choice going to be? If you choose to make Jesus, accept Jesus as God the Son in human form, then live like it. Don't you? If, if Jesus is God, doesn't he deserve a commitment? A genuine number one priority commitment, or he deserves nothing. He, we're gonna, in the Mark series that I mentioned, we're going to look a lot more at the, the the cultural context of Jesus as he taught and did and did various things, and you'll see for yourself that Jesus can only be considered one of two things: 
He can either be considered who he claimed he was, the Son of God, or complete and utter fruitcake. He can't be any other, anything else other than those two when you consider his context. And so, as I wrap up, let me just say that it's your choice. No one can make the choice for you. I can't. Marion can't. Manny can't. Tries to think he can, but it's your choice what you do with Jesus. If you're not sure, then ask. Happy to sit down for a coffee. I'm always a sucker for a coffee. We'll talk. Get more information. But spend some time today amongst the food, amongst the prudence, amongst the rolling on the floor because you can't walk anymore because you've eaten too much. We all know it's going to happen. But amongst that time, spend some time thinking about who is Jesus. Is he God the Son that has come into his creation or is he a complete and utter fruitcake? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are great and we thank you that your son came for us and we know that when he came to earth, he came fully human but fully God and he experienced everything that we experience. And so we thank you for that and we thank you that we can put our faith in him and trust him with everything, Lord, and I pray that we will follow him and serve him and worship him seven days a week. In your son's name, amen.